Hello world, what is going on? I am Ryan, the host of The Most Popular Guy in the Middle of Nowhere, the podcast where we talk about love, sex, relationships, politics, and pop culture. Anything and everything. Nothing is off the table. Well, we finally did it. We beat 2020. So fingers crossed that the next year is not 2020 remastered. That's the last thing we need. So I'm kind of going off script here. Usually I try to keep a little list of things I want to touch upon. Um, However, (laughs) like all brilliant ideas, this one came to me halfway through the day um, yesterday when right before I clocked into work, I just realized I did not do a best of 2020 list. And... So that's what this episode's a little bit about, as well as looking forward to the next year. So first things first, I kind of want to touch upon, you know, the things that I was proud of doing this year. And with COVID and quarantine, you know, it was difficult to do a lot of things. However, it also opened up a lot of doors. And this year I was able to focus on reconnecting to, you know, a lot of family members and friends I haven't spoken to in, you know, quite some time. And not because of any, you know, bad feelings or anything, but life gets crazy and you always say you're going to do something and then you put it off till tomorrow, then the next day, then it becomes a week, a month, and then before you know it, it's the holidays or it's their birthday or something. And, you know, you just kind of have like a little bit of guilt for not putting in more effort and, you know, having nowhere to go. Now (laughs) you have lots of time to reconnect with people and pick up the phone and call and see what they're doing. Most likely the same thing as you probably in your pajamas, drinking wine, and you know, binge watching whatever's on your queue on Netflix or Hulu. So reconnecting with a lot of people was something that I was happy to do. Something else is I mentioned in a previous episode that I left one dead end job for another. And you know, both jobs are simple uh are simple enough. It's just the job where I was at, there was no upward mobility. You know, you had my position and then you had a team or shift lead and then manager and the managers are salaried in. So unless they're going to leave, there's no real way for you to move up. So I moved to a different company and let's just say retail is not for the faint of heart. (laughs) If you've worked it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you've ever worked it during the holidays, you really know what I'm talking about. I've not been this stressed since I was a surfer. And let me tell you, I lost 20 pounds just from the stress of that job. (sighs) Oh, kind of wishing that would happen with this one. No, it's uh, it's fine overall. 
do I want to stay there forever? Obviously not. But, you know, uh, COVID has kind of limited a lot of opportunities. So, you know, you got to work with what you've got. Another exciting thing was we are in our third season. You know, back when I first started this, I had no idea what I was doing. I had a vision of what I wanted. But still, it's just one thing when you visualize it and something else when you actually put in the work and you know you try to stay consistent. And it's both a positive and a negative that your expectations are not met. You know, a lot of the times you actually surpass them and you get to see something in a whole new light and, you know, it it became, you know, kind of a saving grace for me, kind of a way to keep my sanity and um, at the same time just reconnect with so many people and, again, just listening to everyone's story and you get to see how interesting your inner circle really is. And then as well as being able to introduce people to, you know, different brands or more progressive ways of thinking and just getting people to stop and say, wow, I didn't know that or never thought of it that way. So that's been really rewarding. And this is the more nerdier side of it, but I sur- I made a goal to read one book a week this year, and I met it. I completed my goal. I actually went over it. This year, I read 56 out of 52 books, which totaled up to uh, 19,867 pages, according to goodreads.com. And there were a lot of interesting reads, um, a lot of laughter, a lot of tears, a lot of jaw-dropping twists, and some of them I wanted to highlight. Uh, This was actually my personal top five list, and I highly recommend all of them, especially if you want to get back into reading in general. We have Emma Donahue's The Pull of the Stars, Basic Synopsis, 1916 in Ireland, three women are working in a maternity ward while the Spanish influenza is going on. And it's a very appropriate novel. You know, there are just so many uh, parallels between what they're going through and what our healthcare workers are experiencing. Um, So it's very timely, to say the very least. Number four was Alka Joshi's The Henna Artist. Uh, This one was actually a Reese Witherspoon Hello Sunshine book club pick, and it was beautiful. She brought India to life. Um, It follows Lakshmi. Uh, Again, she is a henna artist, and she bedazzles the women of high society uh, in uh, in her city. I forgot if she's in... I think she's in Jaipur. I think that... I believe that's the city that takes place in. Anyway, she's trying to open her own business, and then she discovers that she has a half-sister, and she's trying to take her under her wing, 
and teach her her ways. However, she gets an unexpected surprise. Wink. Uh, number three was Yagyasi's Transcendent Kingdom. Touches upon addiction and the difference between being African and being African-American. And it also touches upon religion versus science. Um, the main character is a scientist who is having to deal with a suicidal mother. Um, she's depressed. She's worn out. And she's trying to find out whether or not, you know, somebody can just choose to stop uh, their addiction. Um, that one was very powerful. You know, you get to see somebody for more than just their addiction. You know, you remember that they're still an actual person with, you know, all their faults and all their virtues as well. Uh, number two was Britt Bennett's The Vanishing Half, you know, touching upon race and identity, uh, twin sisters coming from the deep south. One of them decides to live her life as a white woman because they are that light-complected that she actually can, while her sister returns to their hometown with her dark-skinned daughter, and their paths are always intertwined. And that becomes more so when their daughters uh, meet for the first time. And then finally, we have an Oprah book club pick, uh, James McBride's Deacon King Kong. Uh, sport coat, a former deacon, is now a, a drunk in his uh, project neighborhood. He ends up shooting the local drug dealer. And what transpires is a tapestry of... Un unseen connections that involve the mafia, nuns, um, fire ants. <laughs> uh, it was very comedical, um, but it was definitely one of my favorites. Speaking of books, this year I also became very active on Bookstagram and even started my own book review podcast. And that was... It's, and it's, it still is challenging just because I've already read, I want to say, let's, let's say over 100 books uh, in total. And there are just so many books that I want to, you know, revisit and give reviews for. But there's like a certain formula that I, uh, or a certain structure that I have that I want to use for all of them. But it's difficult just because... You know, there's only so many ways you can describe something. And at the same time, you know, you you want everything to be fresh and new. You know, like, I don't want to keep on describing something as unique or different. And, you know, I want to be able to go more in depth. And so it's kind of a crux because, you know, on one hand, you want to give your immediate thoughts... But at the same time, you know, like a week later, you'll randomly think of something and it's just 
oh wait, I should have said that. <laughs> so it's been challenging, but at the same time, um, I've, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed um, widening my horizons. Um, moving on, though, to music. This year, oh, I know I'm going to get a lot of um a lot of reactions for this uh for this list um number 5 would be a tie between the weekends after hours which should have won so many grammys but whatever you know um it's a tie between that and then Ariana Grande's sixth studio album positions I have been blasting that on repeat for quite some time. And it's funny because I was, I forgot where I was reading this, but um, Mariah Carey gave her uh, her seal of approval. And there was kind of like, I'm not, I'm not sure how much of it was the media and how much of it was Mariah, but there's a point where, you know, they're essentially trying to pin Mariah against Ariana just because of, you know, their, their same vocal range. But, oh, I think that's what it was. I was I think I was listening to uh, Kara Coronado and Daisha Sky's OMG Girl podcast. I think one of them pointed out that after uh, Mariah realized that, you know, Ariana's not trying to come for her spot and you know, she's doing her own thing, you know, now she's chilled and leveled out. Um, but anyways, that was the number five position. Number four, as much as I love her, I wanted so much more for this album. Uh, we have Lady Gaga's uh, Chromatica. Um, I will say, though, I loved her collaboration with Blackpink, uh, Sour Candy. That is, uh, that is on repeat. Um, as well as Rain On Me. It, oh, I swear, the gays lost their minds when that came out. It was the collaboration that you didn't know that we needed. Um, in that tie, we have uh, Dua Lipa's Future Nostalgia. And again, uh, Deja and Cora Akira pointed out that it was easy to see how this would be a success, because they had the same team as um, the same people who worked on Madonna's con uh, Confessions on a Dance Floor, which, by the way, is also gold. Um, yeah, you just like it's a very positive, uplifting without being sappy or saccharine. Um, I think it was on Spotify that Dua Lipa, like, she said herself that. You know, she likened it to, like, having kind of, like, a 60s vibe. Um, you know, very Austin Powers-ish. And, you know, I, I, am, I am a stand for, uh, for Austin Powers, as old as it is. Uh, third, we have uh, Ungodly Hour by Chloe and Hallie. I hope that's how you pronounce her name. Um... This album was a very chill, um, as, as they said in the song, a homey kind of vibe. Um, 
they are so underrated. And it's crazy because um, Beyonce is actually like kind of a kind of a mentor for them. So you know there are some bangers on that on that album. Number two, we have a dual entry from the same artist. Taylor Swift blessed us with not only folklore in I think it was late July and it was like right before my birthday. So uh, folklore and then early, um, later or what was it? I think around Thanksgiving was it? She released Evermore, her eighth and ninth albums. Uh, she said they're essentially sister albums to each other and they are just such a different sound from you know the pop love songs that we're so used to this is i think her finest work i mean my favorite album will still be reputation but these two come in a very 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 close uh second place um I think it kind of encapsulates every sad feeling that we've had during quarantine. Um, but honestly, though, like there's maybe only one track on each album that I might consider skipping. So, like, that's impressive. And then finally, the number one spot for me would be Jenny Aiko's I know I'm going to butcher this. Uh, Chilombo. This album was straight fire. I looked on my Spotify and uh, she was, with the exception of uh, the cast of Glee, because I'm such a nerd that way, uh, <laughs> she was right up there on my uh, most streamed artists. And just take a listen to this and you will see why. Like, it was just so calming, so relaxing, and it kind of puts you, like, in a, in a space to want to meditate, you know? Um, moving on to shows, though, I am going to be that person and say that I'm going to get a lot of flack for not having watched The Mandalorian. I know, I know, I'm an awful person, you know, I'm just so terrible. It's it's still on my queue. I just... I don't know. I, I guess because it's not... Um, because it's not directly tied to the immediate movies and the main, main storyline with, you know, the Skywalkers. It's just... Eh. You, you know, it, it's like... Back in middle school, I remember a few a few classmates that would be reading Star Wars novels, and it's about, like, some random-ass commander who had, like, one or two lines in a movie, and, you know, it's his whole backstory, whatever, and it's cool and all to see how big the universe is, but I'm just, like... I don't know, I just... <sighs> I will get to it, okay? I promise you. I will get to it. Um, another one I'm going to get flack for for not having seen, but that I really want to, The Crown. Like, 
I know, I know. It's about a bunch of fancy white people, but I don't I have a thing for royalty. However, the shows that I did watch and did uh, thoroughly enjoy, as controversial as this was, and some people even said it was you know, redundant, season four of 13 Reasons Why, we finally get a conclusion to the story, and oh, it touched me. I was emotional. I was a wreck. Um, I love trashy TV, and <laughs> the world now knows the name of that fucking bitch, Carol fucking Baskins. Yes, the Tiger King. Everything that is so trashy about TV all rolled in together into one flaming dumpster fire. I... Oh my goodness, I was laughing nonstop at this. Speaking of fire, we have uh, a Reese Witherspoon production, uh, Little Fires Everywhere. Oh, I mean, I will say I did have a bit of a problem with Carrie Washington just always being so angry. I mean, don't get me wrong, I understood why her character was, but I kind of just felt like she brought a little too much Olivia Pope into uh, into the story. But still, it was wonderful. Um, then we have a tie between sex education and Never Have I Ever. A young, vibrant cast that is truly diverse uh, for both uh, for both shows. And I swear I was in stitches. I was a damn hyena with how hilarious these shows are. And um, both of them are also like very emotional as well. Um, kind of in my opinion, I think these are the way teen drama shows should be. They touch on everything, you know, that um, teens are going through. A lot of humor and a lot of heart. And then finally... We have Anya Taylor-Joy in The Queen's Gambit. Who knew chess could be so exciting? <laughs> yeah, after after I watched this, like, I was like, I'm going to dye my hair red and I'm going to be a chess shark, <laughs> you know? Uh, that was... Um, that was an unexpected success uh, for me. I kind of thought it was just going to be overrated and within the first 15 minutes, you are hooked. But speaking of unexpected things, well, kind of, sort of, um, we have a lot of unexpected things coming up this year, but something I want to set, an expectation I want to set going into the year, uh, are certain goals. So, Number one is to continue learning Spanish on my Duolingo app. Ideally, I want to get to the point where I can actually speak Spanish at work and get to a, a conversational colloquial point, you know, where you can actually start using slang in a different language and you understand it. Uh, two keeping up with this with consistent episodes you know I sometimes I 
I fight myself whether to put something out weekly just to put it out and stay consistent because it's true. It's one like once you stop doing something, you know, like this, you know, it just gets to be a bigger and bigger chore. And I don't want that to happen. You know, I want to be able to be passionate about it. But at the same time, if you only do something when you're passionate, you know, you're going to lose people. So I don't know. That's something I got to figure out and work on. Um, I also want to keep up with weekly connections. You know, it's while we're still, well, not in Texas, we're not. Uh, we're not under official lockdown, you know. I mean, out uh, back home in California, you know, um, it's a different story. But yeah, if you're if you have nowhere to go besides work, you know, you have a lot of time to get a lot more things done and um, keeping kind of a I don't want to say a schedule of, you know, calls to make, but at the same time, you know, it's, I'm trying to look at it as, you know, something to look forward to, you know, um, something to keep up with, um, but yeah, just want to keep in contact with people and, um, further strengthen those bonds, you know, um, and then finally, well, actually not finally, but I also want to keep my uh, keep meeting my goal of one book a year, but possibly extend that to maybe a hundred books. I mean, I think that's pretty possible. Um, and then finally, just to be more present. Uh, but what about you? Do you have any New Year's resolution goals or expectations? Um, any trips you want to make? Um, something new you want to learn, um, just anything to keep on growing. I mean, what else are you going to do when you're locked up in quarantine? But, uh, so yeah, that is it for this episode. Um, next week we will have hopefully a very special guest who, uh, is very, um, representative of women in charge and, bringing more women, you know, in the conversation and empowering them to not only uh, take charge in their field, but kind of be captains of industry, if you will. So until then, I'm Ryan, and you've been listening to The Most Popular Guy in the Middle of Nowhere.